Thank you, ladies, for that number. <clears throat> Brings back the days that I remember back in 1965 when I trusted Christ as my Savior and acknowledged what he had done on the cross for me. And uh, what are we doing for him? What do we do for the Lord? Well, you know, I, I started a ministry uh, almost 22 years ago now. Uh, my wife and I had a burden to see young people uh, use what God has given them and use their talents for the Lord and to step out by faith and trust God. And over the years, uh, we've had the privilege of having literally hundreds and hundreds of young people have traveled with us to over 20 different countries around the world. Today, it's a joy to know that there are church planners, missionaries, Christian educators, and evangelists serving around the globe. They got that first glimpse of ministry many years ago when they traveled with MTT. Our ministry is a little bit different because our mission teams, we like to say they're set apart because of the discipleship training that's involved uh, before we ever go to the mission field. Sometimes people just get together and they plan that they're going to go and maybe to do a couple of things and try to help the missionary out. But we want our young people to be able to be focused on serving God and serving others. When you go to the mission field or in ministry in itself, you're going to be serving others. And I believe that that's probably why God has called you here. Uh, this school is in existence to be able to train you so that you can go forth from here and to be able to use the things that you have been taught. Uh, Paul says in 2 Timothy 2.2, And the things which thou hast heard of me amongst many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. And that's what discipleship is all about. Learning, educating yourself, and then being able to go out and be able to teach others and see them come alongside and to see them reach others for Christ. And MTT has a purpose. Make a Timothy today was established for that very reason, to train another generation for Christ. I'm excited about what I see here at this school because I know that you're being trained with a zeal and a fervency of wanting to go on to serve God someplace, somewhere. And you know, the local church needs to have faithful servants. This is something that's lacking today in many churches across America, people being faithful to the call and the cause of Christ. And so just to give you a little update, my, my wife and I, uh, we uh, just got back this past summer from being in New Zealand. And also we were in Canada. We, we take a number of teams out every year. And uh, when we go out, we do a lot of evangelism. I'm a soul winner, and I, I make no apology for that. I believe I'm saved to serve and to tell others about Christ. And that's the whole purpose, I believe, of what the Great Commission was all about. Uh, you're saved today as a result of the Great Commission. And one of those men that heard Jesus say to go into all the world and preach the gospel, those men took that serious. How do we know that? because you're saved today as a result of those men's faithfulness and to the commission that Christ gave them. So what do we do with what we have? Well, we should be faithful in serving God in our local church. 
When opportunities arise for us to be involved in ministry, we ought to see those opportunities not as obstacles, but as another open door, perhaps, of what God has for us in our life. And uh, I know that this past summer, between Canada and New Zealand, there were a total of 11 people that prayed to be saved. The joy that I had of this was seeing the young people that traveled with me actually take their Bible and open it up, sit down, and lead someone to Christ. For some of them, it was the very first time they've ever done that. You know, there's joy in serving Jesus. How are you serving? What are you doing? I've been taking usually several teams out throughout the summertime, and also I take a team out at Christmas time. My wife and I, we've only spent Christmas home in 15 years two times. Two times that we've actually been home at Christmas because we're always on the mission field with a group of young people someplace making a difference, sharing Christ at Christmas. This year we're having a chance to go back to Mexico. It's the last time I was there was 15 years ago. And we're going to be flying down into the city of Lyon and uh, working with a veteran church planter down there that's been there for about 25 years, uh, working on his third church plant, established camp ministry. And we're going to go down and try to make a difference and help him over a short period of time. That team actually starts December the 13th. And so and I was talking to Mr. Williams this morning, and he was sharing with me a little bit about the fact that you don't get out of school till the 16th. That's all right, I'll make an exception. But you got to be there for part of the boot camp because there's a lot of things that we're learning in Spanish, learning things in the national language, and things that we're preparing ourselves for. That team will go from the, uh, starts on the 13th for you, if you can get a plane ticket down to Greenville, South Carolina, where we're based at. Uh, we'll have uh, a few days of training there. Uh, I'll let you come down to where it's, uh, there is no snow. Matter of fact, there is hardly any cold. It was like 60-some degrees, I think, yesterday. But we're going to go ahead and have boot camp training, and we'll fly out on the 20th, uh, just a few days before Christmas. And our return date is actually flying back on the 3rd, but we don't get in until two minutes before midnight. So that means we're actually going to be back home on the 4th, but there's enough time for you to catch an, air, an airline flight and be able to get back here to Wisconsin to begin things all back over again. We could really use your help. We really can. Right now, I have a skeleton team. I, I need some preacher boys. Do we have any preacher boys here? I need some guys that's willing to say, here, Lord, I, I'll take my Christmas holiday. I'll use it for the Lord. And girls, we'll, we'll take you as well because we just need folks to be able to volunteer for God. Amen? And so next summer, we're actually planning a team that I've never done before. I had the privilege of preaching over in the Philippines back in March at a worldwide evangelistic uh, missions conference, and uh, so I met some very, very uh, sweet Christian pastors over that way, and they asked if that would be a possibility of bringing a team. And so we plan on actually going to Japan and the Philippines next summer. Uh, we're going to be working with a veteran missionary that's been there for about 25 years down in, in Colby, and uh, we'll be ministering with him. I also have a young man that traveled with me about 15 years ago, and he was from Japan. His name is Takayuki Hayashi. And Tak actually lives over in Kanazawa. 
and he is actually preaching and pastoring a church there, so we plan on working with talk as well. We will fly after 10 days of being in Japan over to the Philippines. Once we get to the Philippines, we have some Filipinos that are actually going to join up with our team, and we're going to do some more training, and then our plan is to go out into some of the village areas and to be able to experience what it is to go right into the heartbeat of where the folks are at. We'll minister in Manila as well, but uh, that will be a, a team that will be a team to remember. And that will be May 15th through June the 23rd. The unique thing about what I do, I don't occupy your entire summer, just a few weeks. And give you time to come home and, and, and work on some other plans, and work a job, whatever else you need to do. But we schedule it this way so that it makes it more doable for students that want to be able to serve God, perhaps on the mission field. When we get home, we're only going to be home for a few days before our next team is going to assimilate, and we plan on taking another team to the western part of the United States. Now, I know that your pastor has a heart for the West. I can honestly say, up till just a number of years ago, uh, I knew that there were people in the West, but I didn't know much about it. And I ran on to a, a gentleman years ago, and I know that your pastor knows a man by the name of Dr. Wally Higgins. Wally was a pioneer for planting churches in the West. Wally, he could take almost anyone and get them excited about going where there was hardly anyone. People say, why would you go there? Because there's a, a few Christians in a Mormon ward, and that was it. I have been out west where I have been in services where people have driven an hour and a half, an hour and 45 minutes one way just to come to church. Because where they live at, there's nothing. And I plan on going out to the western part this year again. We'll, we'll start off in Gallup, New Mexico at a Navajo Indian reservation down there and minister there for a week. We'll head on up into Grantsville, Utah, where we'll be with uh, Pastor Ron Eman. And uh, we'll be helping him with a ministry that he has there in Grantsville, Utah. We'll head from there on up to Logan, Utah. And this is an uh, area that has still polygamy is going on in that particular area. And a young man uh, and his wife are wanting to plant a church there. And he came to me at the Northwest Baptist Conference a, a few weeks ago and said to me, Brother, can you come? Could you help me? I said, I'll be your boots on the ground. I'll do whatever you want me to do to help you get this church off the ground and get it started. That's what we plan on doing and dedicating some time for Brother Johnson. We leave from there, go up to Pinedale, Wyoming. We'll have the privilege of actually conducting a vacation Bible school in the very first church that Wally Higgins ever started back in the 60s. We're looking forward to that. And then heading on out east and back into south central Kansas where we'll plan on having another uh, week of ministry. But that will be July the 3rd through August the 17th. If any of these dates look like something that would be of interest to you, uh, my wife and I, we have several of these flyers laying back here in the back uh, by the sound control. And uh, pick one up. Uh, stop by and see us. We're going to be here today. We'll be leaving tomorrow. I've got a couple other schools, places I need to go, and preaching over in Michigan this weekend. And so, uh, but we would love for you to consider the possibility of serving with MTT Ministries. And we can give you more information if you have questions. Well, 
If you take your Bibles and open up to Daniel chapter 6. Somebody asked me, they said, do you like the book of Daniel? Yeah, I certainly do. I like it when I, I know of men of God that have been faithful for the course. They've been steadfast. And you know, you can look in the Bible and you can see a lot of different men that served in a lot of different capacities. And, and two that I can think of that were men that were sold out for God. And one was Joseph. Joseph was totally sold out for the cause of God. He wanted to please his God. And he did everything that he needed to do that was right. Daniel was another. And might I say that Daniel was one that, you know, I believe we could probably almost live our lives by his example. Because Daniel was a man that was called out. He was set aside. He was set apart. And God used him in a tremendous way. And we see how God intervened in his life. And so this morning, let's have a word of prayer before we begin. And we'll look at some things here that we can get out of Daniel chapter 6. Father, we thank you for your goodness. And Lord, we know that in us dwelleth no good thing. But God, we do ask you that, Lord, we read your word to enlighten us. And Father, to encourage us. Show us what we need to be and help us, Lord, to be not like some things that we see that's round about us every day. Lord, may we be set apart. Lord, we may, may we be used in your faithful work. And Father God, I just ask you that this morning we'll get some valuable information, Father, from your word that will help us. Lord, help us to be like Daniel. And we'll give you praise for what you're going to do in Christ's name. Amen. This morning, I want to look into the chapter, and I, I had Pastor read the whole entire chapter because I did not want to read it and then have to deliberate right along with it because there's some things I want to go through a little bit quicker and some things I'll take some time with. But this morning, I would like for you to see eight things that we can learn from Daniel's life in this passage of Scripture. Daniel chapter 6, in verse 3, it says, Then Daniel was preferred above the presidents and the princes because an excellent spirit was in him. Now, might I say, the first thing that we want to look at here is the fact that the Scriptures tells us that Daniel had an excellent spirit. Daniel was preferred because of it, above all the presidents and above all the princes. If you'll keep in mind, Daniel is now, during this time, uh, in this particular chapter that we're reading here, where Darius is now the king, and uh, Cyrus is there as well, and this is what divides the, the two, as we have the Medes and the Persians. And it's very, very interesting because we see that at this time, Daniel is roughly about 80 years of age. And we know Daniel's history, and we know where he's been, and we know a lot of things that he has done. But now here he is, uh, serving in another time and another reign. And here you can see that he is preferred above all the others. Why? Because he has an excellent spirit. Would our spirits that we have today, right here, right now, would our spirits put us in the same category as what Daniel had? Do we follow Philippians chapter 4? 
verse 4 that talks about rejoicing always. Can people see that we have an excellent spirit in us? That's a good question for anybody. As a matter of fact, from the time you wake up, and a lot of people say, well, you don't know what I'm like in the morning, because I'm not a morning person. Could people see an excellent spirit as soon as you wake up in the morning? Well, we know that the scripture speaks specifically that because of his excellent spirit, the king put him over the entire realm. So we see that excellent spirit is the first thing. Number two, the second thing is that Daniel faced opposition. In Daniel chapter 6, verse 4, it says, Then the presidents and the princes sought to find an occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could not find none occasion nor fault for as much as he was faithful. Neither was there any error or fault found in him. Here we see the presidents and the princes sought out to go against him. Isn't it interesting that here's Daniel in a position where he is beginning to have to face some persecution. He's standing up for what's right. You know, I don't know, perhaps many of you in here, you have jobs. And you go to your job on a regular basis. Maybe every day you spend so many hours. And you're working perhaps maybe around some people that are not Christians. But they know you are. They know where you go to school. And perhaps maybe you've heard some comments about certain things. Uh, perhaps that this guy or this girl, well, you know, there's things about them that are different. And then they begin to talk about certain things. Might I say, anytime you stand up for the Lord, you'll probably face opposition. And I know when I started MTT Ministries back in 1998, I didn't realize I'd ever have any opposition. But I did. I had a number of people tell me, they said, well, oh, you're just doing mission teams. You're not church planting. Oh, well, you're not going overseas four years at a time. But little did we know that as a result, over a period of time, that MTT would really be involved in church planting. You see, I go back now to the field, and I work with a lot of men that are planting churches all over the world, and the very first time they ever went to those places was on an MTT team. Sometimes you'll face persecution for standing up for what's right. And any time you stand up for the Lord, you'll face opposition. And I know for a fact because I traveled with them thousands and thousands of miles that Wally Higgins faced some opposition. I remember going into some of these little Mormon towns. And Wally would try to go ahead and get a library or, or get some place that we could have uh, a meeting. And we went in and we canvassed the town. And we tried to get people to come out. And the Mormons were in, in high opposition of what we were trying to do. You know, if you try to do right, you're going to face opposition. Daniel had an excellent spirit. And even though people could not even find anything against him... They had to figure something out. What are we going to do? And he got opposition, let me say. And any time you want to serve God and you want to do right, and that's, that's, that's two words that I heard in my early years of education. Do right. Do right. Don't falter. Don't go back. Do right. And you'll face some opposition along the way. But you remember, God is your son and your shield. 
He's the one that will guide and direct you. So we see that Daniel had an excellent spirit. We see that Daniel faced opposition. Look at Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. It says, Now, when Daniel knew the writing was signed, he went into his house, and the windows being open in his chamber, towards Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. It says, as he did aforetime. This wasn't something new to him. This was his regular routine. This was his life. This is what he did. Now, it's very interesting because we see here that the third thing is that Daniel had a prayer life. He had a prayer life. Young people, do you have a prayer life? He took his problems before his God. Proverbs 8, 17 says, I love them that love me and those that seek me early shall find me. He prayed three times a day. How is your prayer life? Sometimes I wonder how much we pray even if we just pray one time a day. How is our prayer life compared to Daniel? If you'll keep in mind that these verses before this actually speak about those that were in opposition of him, they couldn't find anything to do against him personally. But they came to a, a reasonable decision to them to go ahead and get the king to do something. Because they knew if the king would sign a decree, they knew it would be a problem. Why? Because they knew Daniel and they knew what Daniel did. Isn't it interesting? It sounds a little bit the way things are today. Even in politics and other areas where people will conspire to do certain things against an individual. Or an organization. Daniel knew that. But we see that it did not stop Daniel. Because the Bible says that Daniel went and three times a day he prayed before his God. How much do we really pray? I know lots of times people will say, will you pray for me about this or I'm going to be doing this. How much time do you actually spend during the day praying? You know, sometimes I wonder if we are a prayerless group of Christians. If we were judged and our character was judged upon how much time we really spend with the Lord, where would that be at? I know all of us would probably fall short because none of us are perfect in that area. Do you have a prayer life like Daniel? You want to see God do some work in your life right here at school? You want to see God answer? I've been blessed this last couple of days that I've been here, just hearing Sunday night, uh, people standing and testifying about what God has done in their life and what God has uh, encouraged them to do and as they've stepped out by faith and how they've seen God work in their life in a variety of areas. People that have a prayer life, We'll see God do some mighty things in their lives. Daniel chapter 6, verse 16. Let's move on. In Daniel chapter 6, verse 16, it says, Then the king commanded they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. And the king spake unto Daniel, The God whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. The fourth thing we see here is 
Daniel's trial. Now keep it in mind, those princes and presidents were pretty shrewd, weren't they? Because they knew how to go about to do something that was going to create a problem for Daniel. And it's interesting that the king, as smart as perhaps he should have been, did not see through what was going on. These people conspired against Daniel. And they got the king because they knew that if the king would sign a decree and put his signet on that decree, it could not be changed, not even by the king himself. But he never saw that. And he signed the decree. And so now these men are coming and they're casting this before the king. King, you signed the decree and you said, well, this is what Daniel is doing. Daniel had a trial. Daniel had outside pressure, even though he was trying to do right. Have you ever had some outside pressure on you? How do you handle outside pressure? How does it work for you? You know, sometimes God allows us to go through trials. And he does that to strengthen us. That's his way of working in our lives. There's a chorus that many of you probably have heard. And it just goes like God never moves without purpose or plan when trying his servant and molding a man. Give thanks to the Lord for your testing seems long. In darkness he giveth a song. I'm sure that Daniel knew what it meant to be tried. How would you deal with the lion's den if you were put in that situation? When my wife and I started the ministry in 1998, little did I know that just a few months after that, I would have been in a very serious automobile accident, left with a double brain contusion, a severed kneecap, broken ankle, and going through a lot of difficulty. Just a few months, a few months after we organized this. God lets you sometimes be in a position so you can reevaluate a lot of things in your own life. In 2005, Pastor, my wife, found out that she had stage 3 cancer. We're looking back over the last six or seven years and saying, Lord, we know what you called us to do. And the question would be, why? But, you know, we knew that the Lord had a purpose and a plan. And we also know that in darkness, he gives us a song. Daniel knew what it meant to be tried. Because here we see that the king has commanded it to bring Daniel forth. Daniel chapter 6, verse 20, as we move on. Daniel chapter 6, in verse 20. It said, And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said unto Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee? From the lions, the fifth thing we see here is that Daniel was a witness to the king. Daniel had a testimony. He had friends, and he had a personal testimony to go along with it. And the king knew about Daniel's God because of his testimony. Wouldn't it be great that all of our friends that know us personally... 
that they knew God because of your personal testimony? How faithful are you in being a testimony for God? Might I say our testimony is the only thing that you will ever take to your grave. It's the only thing that will ever be remembered when someone sees your headstone and they see your name there. That testimony that you bore here will be something that will be remembered. You see, the king, he knew who Daniel served. Daniel chapter 6, verse 23. It said, Then the king, exceedingly glad for him, commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. And so Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no manner of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. The sixth thing we see here was Daniel's rescue. I like this. And the reason I like this is because I, I believe according to the scriptures and what we read in verses 17 through 19, it tells us that the king had a very sleepless night. And I'm sure that Daniel didn't have a problem sleeping at all. How would you do in a den of lions? even under the circumstances. Daniel, trust, and his faith in God is what saved him. The king spoke to Daniel knowing that he was the servant of the living God. <laughs> Talks in there about a lamentable voice, maybe with some fear and trepidation. I wonder if Daniel's still here. Daniel also gave reverence to the king by saying, O king, live forever. You know, we ought to be praising God every day for what he does for us. You take a test here at school, you ought not be saying, well, I passed that test. I did good on that. You ought to be praising God. God, you left me past this test. What a blessing. Daniel knew his God would deliver him out of the mouths of the lions. He knew his God was able. You guys know what I'm talking about because you've sung that song when you were small. He's able, he's able, I know he is able. God's able to deliver us, isn't he? Of course he is. How many times has God ever delivered you out of a serious situation yourself? You ever been in a situation that was like, I don't know how I'm going to face this. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. A real serious situation, something that you could speak about, something that perhaps you could testify about. Daniel chapter 6, verse 24. It said, And the king commanded that they brought these men which had accused Daniel and cast them into the den of lions, them, their children, and their wives. And the lions had made mastery of them and break all their bones in pieces or ever they came at the bottom of the den. We see the seventh thing was revenge, but it wasn't Daniel's revenge. You see, you can trust God to take care of those that do you wrong. Verse 24 shows that the accusers of Daniel were taken care of. That old saying, what goes round comes round. And not only was those that were the accusers, but the Bible all says their wives 
and their children. The entire family suffered consequence because of what they had done to the man of God. Romans 12, 19 says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. The Lord is having vengeance upon those that did Daniel wrong. The just shall also reap their reward as well as the unjust. Daniel chapter 6, verse 28, and as we come to the end of this, we see, so this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. The eighth thing we see here is Daniel's prosperity. You can see in verse 28 that Daniel prospered during that time. Daniel knew that his prosperity didn't come from riches, but rather in serving God and being faithful to his God. Daniel was faithful to his God, number one. God knew Daniel's heart just as he knows our hearts as well. As we conclude this morning, Daniel was just another ordinary man that God used in extraordinary ways. And although we read this story about Daniel, it's not just about Daniel, but rather Daniel's faith in God. His faith in God. You see, it was Daniel's God that saved him from the lions. The Bible says that God sent an angel. angel took care of that for him. So are you willing to be another Daniel? Are you willing to stand up for God? If you are, there's three things that I'll leave with you. Number one, you need to learn to stand up. Don't be second or third for God. Stand up, number one, for God. We sing that song, stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. We're soldiers of the greatest army in the world. God's army. We need to learn to stand up. Number two, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. He tells us be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. We need to be steadfast Christians. Don't be carried by every wind or doctrine that comes along. Be steadfast in what God has called you to do, even here while you're in college. Utilize what God has given you and take it to the fullest point. And lastly, Ephesians 6.11, it tells us to stand against the wilds of the devil. We know that Satan is our adversary. We know that Satan wants to destroy us. And there's been many a young person that has started the race very, very good. But by the time they finished, it wasn't so good. My friend, are you willing to be another Daniel for God? Are you willing to volunteer for God and take opportunities that come your way? Somebody asked, how do you know what God's will is for your life? Well, when opportunities come your way, maybe you just need to go ahead and walk through the door. Pray about it. Daniel prayed about it, didn't he? Pray about it. But there's a time for praying and there's a time of walking through the door. You want to know what God's will is for your life? Be subject to his will. And when his will is perfect for you, you will never go wrong. You'll always be on the right side. Be on the same side that Daniel was on. Let's pray.